Sports fans rejoice. You're listening to My Team, My Voice with MTMV Sports. Hey, yo, what up? It's Tori Deshaun, a.k.a. Boopy, and you're listening to MTMV Sports. Scat. And now, the time fight fans all across the globe have been waiting for. It's the MTMV main card with your man, The Voice. As always, let's start off with some headlines and hot takes. Seems as if Fight Island may be a real thing. Dana White in a scrum for UFC 249 said that the infrastructure is going into place. And if he has things his way, the fights will start taking place there for their international fighters mid-June. Dana seemed to really be driven to get Fight Island off the uh, ground and getting the fighters there. If they're able to get it up and running, then we may have more back-to-back-to-back fights like we have over the next seven to eight days. I know I missed giving you a main card last month. Please forgive me for that. With all the fights going on over these next couple weeks, though, your man, The Voice, will definitely be giving you more than one this month. And the goal going forward is to start off each month with a main card and then supplement it as time goes on, maybe with some reaction time, some aftermaths, some additional main cards, and different things that we're able to fill in with as time permits. Oscar De La Hoya was on the State of Combat, speaking about the State of Combat as a whole, both MMA as well as in boxing. The last question asked to him by Brian Campbell was that if there were a 10-round boxing rules fight between he and Conor McGregor how long would it go and he said two rounds that's it that was all he said but that was enough to get McGregor's motor going and he accepted the challenge via Twitter Dana White when asked about this at the scrum called Oscar a beautiful man now he was being as nice as he could without disparaging him and saying that In that same interview, Oscar had some flattering words for White as well. He said Dana is doing a phenomenal job in defending his sport and growing his sport, and he's doing it big. He's doing it great. I commend him, end quote. When Fox Sports 1 was launching, the UFC and Golden Boy promotions were staples of their programming. As the years progressed, the relationship between Golden Boy and the UFC soured, and Dana said when promoting the Maymac fight that there were a couple boxing entities that he would never work with, De La Hoya's Golden Boy being one of them. Now, maybe all this nice talk is posturing for if, and I stress if, Oscar's serious about that smoke. At 47 and chasing his COVID-19 blues away with tequila, this sounds as if it was just really a nice way to catch some headlines. Plus, it wasn't anything that he brought up. It wasn't like he said, 
yeah, you know, they, they're doing a, a great job. And you know what? I wouldn't mind fighting Conor McGregor. If, if we fought, it only go two rounds. That's not what he said. He would simply ask a question at the end and answered it. Now, one of the other promoters that White said that he would not work with is Bob Arum, who also wished the UFC good luck, but it was really in a tongue-in-cheek fashion. He said the UFC had a cowboy approach and said that he's working with Vegas, California, and Texas to do things in a sensible way. Aram has reason to criticize their approach. As former Bellator champ and current UFC fighter Lyman Good withdrew from UFC 249 when it was scheduled for April, and it turns out he had corona, that would have been a major blow to sports as a whole had he come and pass on the virus to God knows how many different people. The 2020 Boxing Hall of Fame class, which is headed to Canastoga, will have to wait until 2021 for induction due to the coronavirus. So legends like Bernard Hopkins, Christy Martin, and Lou DiBella will be among those enshrined. On our prayer list this week, we are taking off Rob Whitaker and Liliana have been praying for them have needed to pray for them because Rob was going through some different things really trying to find himself and find his rhythm so that he could fight and fight at his best what wasn't happening though is what was reported that Liliana had some kind of rare illness and Rob was donating his bone marrow and all of that stuff he said he came out and put all those myths to bed, but I take it that the headlines and the heartstrings that that story made redacting it on this side of the water, yeah, wasn't as big of a deal, so didn't quite make it over. I don't know why it took so long for the information to come back out because he spoke about this about a week ago on Ariel Hawani's show and that was the first time that I'd heard or seen anything that was contrary to the original reports that were put out so hey I mean it is what it is thank God that everyone is alright someone else we're praying for is Laura Sanko she and her husband lost about $20,000 of farm equipment around Easter Sunday someone stole those things from them and if you've ever been the victim of theft, you know that it is a horrible, horrible feeling to have your things taken. Regardless of whether you have insurance or not, it never covers what you lost. And it's a headache and it's a hassle and no one wants to go through that. She's a lovely lady. And I say that with earnesty. I got a chance to meet her when the UFC was here in 2018. Uh, she's a wonderful, wonderful person. Hate to see this happen to them. And I hope that things work out well for them in the very near future. Also praying for Habib's dad, who was hospitalized with flu and pneumonia-like symptoms. With everything going on right now, I wouldn't want to be anywhere near a hospital, much less having symptoms of that nature and being in the hospital. So definitely praying for them. So glad that Khabib was at home with his father, with his family during this time. It probably would have been a great distraction had he been trying to prepare for the fight 
knowing that his father was ill. Birthdays this week. Former WSOF strawweight champ Jessica Jag Aguilar. UFC and pride vet Pedro The Rock Hizzo. One championship light heavyweight athlete Leandro Leo Ataides. Dana White Contender Series alum Bevon Lewis. Smiling Sam Alvey who will kick off UFC 249. UFC Hall of Famer and referee in the state of California Frank Trigg. One championship, Dream, K1, Bellator, and Strikeforce vet. The legend, Shinya Aoki, rounds out the birthdays for this week. After the break, we'll get into a little cage time. Keep it locked to the MTMV main card. enjoys Marvel or DC Comics? Do you just love a good superhero story? You do? Awesome. Then check out Waywater Entertainment's new digital comic Legacy AD, now available on Amazon.com and the Amazon Kindle app. Get ready for a new superhero who loves and serves Jesus Christ. For more information, check out LegacyADCartoon.Squarespace.com. This is Hugh Douglas from 9290 Game, and you listen to MTMB Sports. The pins drop, the cage doors locked, the thumbs go up, and they start the clock. It's cage time, and the cage will set up in my star veterans memorial arena in duval that's right jacksonville florida for ufc 249 nearly every fight on this card could be headlining or at least a co-headliner for a espn plus card or espn card it's so stacked it's shades of 2006 2007 when the cards just had fights upon fights that you had to see in this COVID-19 world outside of working you probably don't have anything to do but if you don't and you got ESPN Plus and or Fight Pass you can tune in around 7 Eastern 4 Pacific and watch fights all day long the card is already taking a hit though Jacare tested positive for COVID-19, but the card will continue. Embedded showed how they took great steps to keep the fighters separated and safe. Everyone has their own room to warm up in, to practice in. They've got their own saunas, all that stuff. And whenever they go out, they go in and spray and clean everything. So hopefully the next fighter that has to go in that room will be all right. Dana fist bumped everyone at the ceremonial weigh-ins, or just at the face-off. So who knows how that has impacted the red corners? Because yeah, everybody he fist bumped was on that side. So we'll see. Fortunately, Jacare had on a face mask and gloves at the face-off, and that'll probably be mandatory gear if they continue to do face-offs over this week-long run of three fight cards. Like I said, this Joker is stacked. 
very first fight, you got Ryan Spann versus Sam Alvey. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Like I said, most of these fights could be co-headlining fights. This one is in the right spot. But the next fight up is a featherweight bout between Boston Strong, Charles Rosa, and Bryce Thug Nasty Mitchell. Thug Nasty is undefeated. Rosa is a beast. And I'm really looking forward to that fight. Then you got Vicente Luque and Nico Price. The hybrid always brings it. And Luque was on a streak in the welterweight division looking like a contender. And he'll look to start getting some of that momentum back if he can get past the always exciting hybrid. Next up, you got former strawweight champion, the inaugural strawweight champion, Carla Cookie Monster Esparza facing Michelle Waterson. Both are three and two over the last five fights. Had Waterson beat JJ in Tampa last year, she would have been facing Zhang Wali. Now, fighting for the title is great. What happened to JJ? Yeah, she might <laughs> she might be happy that she dodged that bullet. I don't know. They are both looking to get back into the contenders category. And if Cookie Monster wins, it'll make it three in a row for her. Next up is a heavyweight bout between Alexi the Boa Constrictor Olenek and Fabricio Vicavallo Verdun. Both are three and two over the last five. Verdun, the former champ, is a moderate favorite despite a two-year layoff due to a USADA suspension and losing his last bout. Alexi got back on the winning track with an armbar over Maurice Green on the undercard of the McGregor-Cerrone bout in January. Speaking of Cerrone, Donald Cowboy Cerrone and Anthony Showtime Pettis face off in the ESPN featured fight at Welterweight. Showtime beat Cowboy about seven years ago, and he thinks this gives him the middle advantage over him. Now, Showtime and Cowboy have been texting back and forth like high school buddies all week, which I believe gives Cowboy the advantage. When he's relaxed and fighting a friendly person, he usually excels. The winningest fighter in UFC history and the former champ, the only MMA fighter to be on a Wheaties box, are both 2-3 and three in the last five and desperately need a win. A loss and Showtime may join his little brother in Bellator. That wouldn't be so bad for them as the 33-year-old would inject some life in their lightweight division, especially with Chandler on the final fight of his contract. I couldn't see the UFC cutting Cowboy unless he gets crazy with his asking price. Knowing that Jacare has COVID-19 and Dana refusing to let Cowboy's grandmother come for fear of her getting ill, that might mess with Cowboy's psyche. And the way that things go for him, when he's not focused, he loses. Especially with this being the first fight in his career without her in attendance. Now that's just the undercard. The main card kicks off with Jorgen DeCastro and Greg Hardy. The UFC continues to milk this Greg Hardy train as much as they can. This is the first time that he will be on a pay-per-view, however. 
he's kicking things off and this is really uh it's kind of dicey <laughs> to to put him as the first person on it because his performance has really been up and down and mostly down over the last couple of fights he's two two and one over his last five fights with the last two being a loss and a disqualification yeah you can't use inhalers in between rounds he really should be on a two-fight losing streak but the one fight was considered a no contest either way it is what it is he's fighting the castro a dana white contender series alum who knocked his opponent clean out in his last fight will he be able to do that against hardy probably not because hardy is much more reserved in his approach than tafa was tafa just ran right into it it was nasty yeah they're kicking off the main card because of hardy's reserved approach though going against an undefeated fighter in the castro it, it could spell for a somewhat uninspired bout now the next fight i don't know what's gonna happen there you got calvin cater versus jeremy lil and stevens this was going to be the voices marquee match but it was in contention for it because of the sheer skill that both of these men possess and the will and the desire that they have also unfortunately jeremy stevens yeah he missed weight bad i mean bad bad he came in at 150 and a half with the hoop <laughs> so yeah that's not good whatsoever especially seeing as he hasn't won a fight in his last four fights it's been a minute since he's won a loss and he's probably looking at the front door where cater is three and two over his last five he did lose his last bout yeah he's not in as bad shape as stevens granted you got this whole COVID 19 thing going it's like how is training going however he's been training with dominic cruz who's fighting in the co-main event for the title so his weight really should have been on point i don't know what happened but yeah that's not good and again even with a win this might be the last we see of little heathen in the ufc that's part of the reason why this was going to be the voices marquee matchup because it really is a or could be a loser leave town kind of situation however the third fight of the card a heavyweight bout between francis and ganu the predator versus jarzinho biggie boy rosenstroik is a fight to eliminate a contender for the heavyweight bout dana said that the winner of this bout should be next for the heavyweight title which stipe has and he's supposed to defend against dc but that still hasn't taken place yet either the reason that i was a little skittish on this fight is that both Nganu and rosenstroik have employed some very cautious tactics in their fights in the past 
if they were to do that again it would be a real big stinker it's not it's not uncommon for or i should say it's not out of the question to think that this could be a stinker i hope it's not i really do because of the the title implications that this fight has hopefully they come and they bring it and it's africa versus africa so i yeah there's a lot of questions around it but if either one of them delivers the way that they can then a shot at goal will be at hand yeah i i, I pulled that one out for you just a little, little bit of a poetry for you yeah the, the fighting poet anyway that's gonna do it for cage time even though like i said the ufc's got a lot of stuff going on and in about four days, Anthony Smith and Glover Teixeira will face off in the same venue, in the same cage, headlining a card on ESPN+. But we'll wait, let that one marinate, see what happens, and come back and talk about that at a little later date. Not much later, but a little later date. The co-main and the main events of UFC 249 are both title fights. And because they're title fights, they get the main event treatment. We're going to take a pause for the cause. And when we come back, we'll take a look at these two phenomenal fights on the MTMV main card. What's good? It's your boy, Stephen Malcolm, and you are listening to MTMV Sports. Let's get it. Red Corn, are you ready? Blue, what about you? Well, all right. It's time for the main event. And UFC 249 is for La Raza. As all four participants in the title fights have Latino heritage. Triple C, the messenger, Henry Cejudo, looks for his first successful defense of the Bantamweight title versus the most dominant champ in the history of the division, the Dominator, Dominic Cruz. Cruz has been out about three and a half years, but consistently has been sharpening his game through training others at Alliance MMA, breaking down fighters for his UFC commentary work, or training for the two fights he had to pull out of in 2017 and 2019. I guess the third booking is a charm, and due to COVID-19, it's for the title, as Jose Aldo could not travel to the U.S. for this bout that was originally scheduled to take place in his home country of Brazil. Cruz has stated time and again that ring rust is mental. It doesn't exist. He proved that in his last comeback fight, besting TJ Dillashaw and taking the belt from him. Granted, that was only about a 16-month layoff versus what has now been the longest layoff of Cruz's career. He was also in his fighting prime at 30 years of age versus being 35 now. He's already the best ever. Capturing gold again would put him in legend status. On the What The Heck podcast, Mike the Maverick Chiesa had this to say about the co-main event. If he, and he's speaking about Cruz, if he can get Cejudo missing 
and do all that bull versus matador type of stuff, he has a really legit chance to win the fight. If anybody can do it, it's Dominic Cruz, end quote. Both Cruz and Cejudo have some eye injuries coming into this fight. Cruz has a big bruise on the right side of his face around his eye, and Cejudo has a cut right on his eyebrow on the right side. For Cejudo, he seems to have been calling out what he believes are the easiest and highest profile matches he can. UFC's been gracious in granting him his wishes with Aldo and now Cruz. Triple C lost one of those C's, one of those championships, vacating the flyweight belt. Another loss, and he'll just be plain old Henry again. His brand and his future depend on him not just beating, but besting Cruz. He has to be able to deal with the footwork, the crazy angles, and the pressure that Cruz employs. So Hudo showed a great ability to adapt when he captured the vacant title by stopping Marlon Moraes. On the regional scene, he fought at 135 pounds and really has been his best at this weight. Now that he doesn't have to cut the extra 10 pounds and kill himself to get down to the flyweight, he should have the energy and some pop in his punches. I've heard some say that Cejudo doesn't have boxing, but they forget that he was a Golden Gloves champion. And he just stopped one of the most vicious strikers in the division. For his legacy, he needs a win and he needs it big. He was scheduled to fight on this date anyway, so he can't use the excuse of it being short notice. Outside of the fact that it's a totally different kind of opponent. A win could dim his shine if he just scrapes by. As many, including myself, feel that his win over DJ was a gift. In the main event, Tony El Kakui Ferguson takes on Justin Gagey for the interim lightweight title. Now, Tony Ferguson won the interim lightweight title when he defeated Kevin Lee back in 2018, and he has yet to lose since then, but he's fighting for interim title once again. He was supposed to be fighting Habib for the full-fledged title, but yeah, that fight keeps falling apart. Now, Justin hasn't fought since September of last year, but he normally goes about seven months between fights since he's joined the UFC, so he's right on schedule with how often he normally fights. Justin is banking on landing the big punch. And Tony gets dropped nearly every fight. If Justin were to lose, I don't think his stock drops much. Though short notice, the highlight has said he's been training since January. And since he has the same management as a champ, he may have ramped things up to be more prepared than most would think. I mean, again, this fight with Habib and Tony has been made five times before. So being ready would be to your benefit because you just don't know what's going to happen. Didn't think a world pandemic would stop at this time, but hey, it is what it is. The highlight is just that, and the bonus checks that he keeps getting are proof positive that he lives up to his moniker. Gagey has to use his vicious leg kicks because he'll be too far out to use his hands as Ferguson has a six and a half inch reach advantage. 
Gagey has a tendency to fall in love with the things that work, which makes him predictable, and that's not good. Gagey has great wrestling, but he uses that to keep things standing, which should be a plus for him in this fight because Ferguson is a beast on the ground. Outside of keeping him honest, I really don't see Ferguson trying to shoot in on him too much. He's more of a beat you to the ground and then submit you or catch you as you're coming in to try to get him because he's grounded and rocked and putting you in a submission. Here's a quote that Mike Dolce gave Dan Tom of MMA Junkie regarding Tony's weight cut a couple weeks back. Quote, I think this weight cut three weeks ago allows Tony a mental advantage over his opposition, where Tony knows he's willing to risk his health and well-being in order to win. We've seen Tony do that many times in the octagon. I don't see it as a negative impact on his performance as a result of the weight cut. I do think, if nothing else, it has steeled his iron will to go out there and compete against someone like Justin Gagey, who's a violent man, who's a violent fighter, who's a scary man in many ways. End quote. To me, since he hasn't fought in about a year, I think making weight was a good thing. As Dolce was saying, it helps him mentally. But when you haven't fought in that long, getting your body ready to perform at its peak is wise. Does that mean that he peaked too early? I don't know. I look at it this way. If he fought on the 18th and then turned around three weeks later to fight, most people would say he's fresh because he's just gone through all those things and he hasn't had time for his body to just relax and, and go back to a state of rest. Ferguson sounds really good in all the interviews that he's had. He's motivated and in the right headspace. If anyone is prepared to train in isolation, it's extra tough Tony Ferguson. The unorthodox method that he approaches training with, he brings to the cage. And this is why he's been able to stay undefeated for 12 fights over nearly eight years and stopped all but three in that stretch. Will El Kukui make it 13 in a row and secure his place to face Nurmagomedov for the sixth fight booking? Historically, when Justin Gagey has the biggest fights of his life, he falls flat. Will that trend continue or will the highlight become the first fighter in history to claim both the UFC and WSOF championships. We'll find out Saturday night. All right, fight fans, this has been episode 124 of the MTMV main card. Make sure that you're subscribing to MTMV Sports on your favorite podcast platforms and tell a friend about the show. If you're loving what we do, then I would appreciate it if you leave us a five-star review. COVID-19 has not stopped MTMV Sports from bringing you content regularly. Tune in to GH3 Radio on Dash Radio Network every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern, 9 Central for the MTMV Sports and Music Show. If you're not one of Dash Radio's 10 million listeners, you need to get the app or go to Dash.com on your computer because you're missing out. Sports fans rejoice my team my voice until next time it's your man 
the myth, the legend, the voice, host of the MTMV Sports main card, and I'm sounding off.